and welcome to this week's lecture titled Named Stars Being Extraordinary. Named Stars, subtitle Being Extraordinary. So let's start with the modern day issue. There's an interesting Hasidic teaching that goes as follows. The moment you were born is the moment that God told the universe it could not exist without you. Now, what this means is that there is something that only you can offer the world and that no two of us exist to bring to the world the exact same thing. In other words, each of us are extraordinary in our individual gift to the world. Thus, the Talmud tells us of a story in which a Rav Yosef asked a different Rav Yosef who was the son of Rabba, famous, famous person, your father, in what was he most vigilant in? Now, the question is that when you read up about the story of Rabba, you'll find out that he was a saintly sage of the Talmud, and he was vigilant in all of the Torah and mitzvot. So what did Rabbi Yossi mean when he asked him, which mitzvah was he vigilant in? He was vigilant in all mitzvot. And the answer that is given in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus is that what Rabbi Yosef was actually asking his peer, the other Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbah, was that every single soul has a specific extraordinary connection to one specific mitzvah. And it is through their extraordinary service in this one of the 613 mitzvot that he connects to all the other mitzvot and make them all extraordinary. So every soul has a specific connection. And that was what Rabbi Yosef was asking his peer. What was your father's special, extraordinary mitzvah connection with his soul? Take it a step deeper. The word for vigilant in the Talmud is Zohir. Now the word Zohir has the same letters as the word Zohar. Ki Zohar Harakia, which means to brilliantly illuminate. And thus the teaching gets even deeper that what he really was asking him was, that that one specific extraordinary mitzvah, which is the connection to his individual specific soul, is what brings brilliance to all the other works and mitzvot and Torah study. Thus, that was the ultimate question. Which is the mitzvah through which your father's soul shines brilliantly and brings that brilliance? and sharing it with the universe and all the other things he does. Now, however, according to Chassidus um, and Kabbalah, experiencing being extraordinary takes more than just having an extraordinary gift from God. Rather, what it really means and takes is to perform and share that extraordinary gift in an extraordinary way. In other words, there's a way to share your gift in an ordinary way. You know, just I'll share my gift. But then there's taking it to the next level, performing extraordinarily. And what we are going to learn in this lecture is 
how does one become extraordinary how does one bring his specific extraordinary gift from god to share with the world in an extraordinary way now this lecture i always share with you where i base my lectures on this lecture is based primarily on a mimer a mystical teaching of the rebel blessed memory which was delivered on this shabbos in 1965 exploring why the jews count why the torah counted the jewish people again and how specifically this counting god's counting the jewish people brings forth for the jewish people being cherished to god Okay, let's talk about the introduction. What's going on with this counting? So as you know, this week's Torah portion begins the second book of Moses, and that is the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus. Now the opening verse, and I, and I quote to you, the opening verse of the entire book is, and these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Then he goes on to count the sons of Jacob and concludes with, now all those descended from Jacob were 70 souls. Okay. The question is, just two Torah portions ago, at the end of Genesis, the Torah over there, when it tells the story of Jacob and his family coming down to Egypt, it actually says, and I quote, and these are the names of the children of Israel who were coming to Egypt. Then goes on to count Jacob, his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandchildren, and then concludes with all the souls of the house of Egypt who came to Egypt were 70. So if we counted them two weeks ago at the end of Genesis, why do we have to recount them again in the opening of Exodus? Same people, same number. Rashi, Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki, classic commentator from France, um, in the 11th century, he comments on the verse, on our verse, to answer this question. And I will quote to you what Rashi says. Although God counted them in their lifetime by their names, he counted them again after their death to let us know how precious they are to him because they are likened to the stars which he takes out from beyond the horizon and brings in by number and by name. As it is said, Rashi quotes a verse from Isaiah, who takes out their host by number, all of them he calls by name. Okay, let's give a good look at what Rashi says. I want to point out three details in what Rashi says. Number one, Jacob and his offspring were counted twice, once in their lifetime and once again after their death. The second point is the Jewish people were counted by name, while the stars are counted and called by name. And these two concepts in the verse of Isaiah talking about the stars, he separates the two. They're two separate things. Number one, he counts them. And number two, he calls them out by name. However, when we talk about the children of Jacob, the children of Israel, we say counted by name. In other words, they're both one. And the third point I want to point out in Rashi is that this counting by, by being called by name is all about, I quote, to let us know how precious they are to God. Three important points in what Rashi just commented. Now we need to explore three concepts. Number one, besides the question of why they were counted twice, what is the emphasis of being counted once in their lifetime and once after their death? 
The second question we need to explore. Why by the Jewish people are they counted by name, both performed as one, while the stars, it's separate. They're counted and they're called by name. And third and lastly, what is the connection between being precious and being counted by name? What is the connection here? Okay, so I want to just explain one more introduction before I jump into the lecture. And that is Rashi says the words, to let us know that we are precious to him. What does it mean God's letting us know? So I want to give you the mystical interpretation of that. To let us know means that we can be precious on an internal essence level at the core of our spiritual being, but we're not connected with it. We're living a very unprecious life. We don't know it, we don't feel it, and we don't live it. Thus, when Rashi tells us that God counted us by name in order to let us know, what it really means is he's bringing it forth from our spiritual essence in heaven to our practical life, letting us know, letting us feel, connecting with our being precious in order that we can live the life of someone who is precious to God. So the definition of let know is not just a knowledge of what exists, but it's actually connecting us with what we have buried, hidden within us. That's why God counts us by names. Not just to let us know what exists, but to connect us by bringing it forth. That is the mystical concept we're going to talk about here. We are precious, that's a fact. But many of us don't know it, don't feel it, and don't connect with it, and don't live it. By God counting by name, he brings it forth from our hidden inner core into our practical lives. And now, let's start the lecture. As you know, I start every lecture with giving a list of the mystical concept that we are going to discuss. So let me go ahead and give a list of the five mystical concepts, and then we'll be able to explain them and bring it all about to our modern day issue of how does one live an extraordinary life. Number one, what is the mystical concept of our comparison to the stars? Number two, what is the essence of a name? Number three, what is the essence of being counted? Number four, what is the mystical concept of the essence of being counted by name? And then, lastly, what does it mean being precious after passing, after death? He counted them during their lifetime and after their passing. And now, let the amazement of Hasidus begin. So, let's talk about our comparison to the stars. In order to understand and appreciate what the mere comparison of us to the stars is, we're going to have to take a look into the mystical biblical concept of what does it mean, a star. So, I want to share with you a very interesting teaching from our sages based on three verses in the book of Job. I'm going to quote to you a verse, give you Rashi's commentary, quote to you the second verse, again the commentary, third verse, again the commentary, and then let's see what our sages extrapolate. Verse number one. Can you tie the change of Pleiades, a constellation, or loosen the straps of Orion, another constellation? What does Rashi comment? He takes the words, the chains of the Pleiades, 
I might be pronouncing that wrong, sorry. Tie the chains of the Pleiades so that all its cold should not go forth and destroy the world with cold. Then Rashi comments on the words, or loosen the straps of Orion. And he comments, to bring out its heat, to mitigate the cold of Pleiades. Let's go to the next verse. Can you take out the constellations each in its time? And can you console Aish for her children? Obviously, Rashi is going to tell us who is Aish. Aish is the largest star in the Pleiades constellation, to which many stars are attached. Now, we're taught that God, he took two stars from it to open the windows of the deluge, meaning Noah's flood. And they were placed in the constellation of Aries. And the Holy One, blessed be he, is destined to restore them back to her, to Aish. Last verse. This is all from the book of Job. Interesting what it's saying about constellations. Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can you place his dominion upon the earth? Rashi comments, what does it mean, his dominion? What dominion do constellations of stars have on earth? The dominion of the constellations appointed to bring upon the earth cold and heat, summer and winter. What are these three verses of Job telling us? The three verses of Job is telling us that there is the influence which comes, the spiritual sustenance and influence which comes from heaven to earth, goes through the constellations, the stars. And that is why I'm now going to share with you the teaching of our sages on these three verses. It's in the Medrash Rabbah on the book of Ruth, and it says as follows. Said Rabbi Shimon, there isn't a single herb or spice that doesn't have a constellation in the firmaments that smacks it and tells it to grow. That's what the sages say. What this means to us is that the stars and its constellations are, so to speak, the conduit. That's so to speak. It's the conduit through which heaven from above gives. It receives from above and it gives to us here below. This is why in Hebrew we refer to constellations as mazalot. Now the word mazalot means mazal, plural. Mazal, luck. And it also means the Hebrew word nozel, which means to drip. And the reason for this is that what we're learning from our sages is that through the constellations drips the destiny of each creation. Thus it's called mazalot. Now we understand what we mean when we compare the Jewish people to the stars. We're talking about the creations that absorb and receive from above and give to below. That is the job of every Jew by living his life of Torah and mitzvot, receiving from above and giving to below. But let's get more detailed. What is the name? He called the stars by name. Let's see what that means. This is what Isaiah is referring to when he says, all of them he, God, calls by name. God's calling the star by name is God giving to them from above. That is what we're learning. God calls them by name. That means God is giving them what the sustenance they need to pass on. And he's empowering the constellations to actually pass on this sustenance to us here below. Thus, 
the particular name of a particular star or constellation of stars actually describes, if we know the secrets of it, the name describes its individual particular form of sustenance and influence that it has upon earth. Now, so too it is for us. Our individual names, we each have our individual names, the first names we call it. Our individual names are each specific descriptions of our individual mission here upon earth. Now let's see what this means. So when it comes to the 12 sons of Jacob, actually each of the matriarchs that named the son gives us the reason why he, she named the son as such. Let's take an example. When Leah had gives birth to her first son called Reuben, let's see what the verse says in Genesis chapter 29, verse 32. And she, Leah, named him Reuben, for she said, because God has seen, the word seen in Hebrew, ro'eh, from the word re'u, re'uben, my affliction, for now my husband will love me. And concerning the second son, the verse says, the next verse, chapter 29, verse 33, and she, Leah, said, since God has heard, Shomea, Shimon, Shim, Shomea, heard that I am hated, he gave me this too. So she named him Shimon. And so it goes on for each of the 12 sons. Now, simply speaking, Leah, Rachel, they were naming their sons for their experience in having their child. However, mystically speaking, in the world of the Zohar, Kabbalah, Hasidut, we are taught that these meanings isn't about what the mother was experiencing, but describes the individual mission, relationship, and service of that son to God. For example, Reuven, his life was to have the connection, relationship, and service to God of seeing God in his life. Shimon was to have the relationship, the connection, the service with God in his day-to-day -day life of hearing God in everything he does. And so on with each of the children. So therefore, what we're saying here is just like the names of the stars describe their influence on the world, so too the names of every person, their individual name on a mystical level, what it does is it describes the specific relationship, connection, and mission of this individual with his God, with God. Now, here we talk about the particular difference, Reuven, seeing, Shimon is hearing. But there's something deeper yet. There's something deeper in a name, which is that when we speak of any particular form, of service we're not speaking of the essence because if we speak of a specific gift that's not the essence of the being anything which has a form description description and evolves is not the essence the essence of our soul which is truly a piece of god has no description nor does it grow nor does it evolve Thus, the name really doesn't deal with just a particular gift in its description, but a name connects to the essence of the person.
Which is why when a person faints, what happens when a person faints? From a Kabbalistic view, what happens is that instead of the soul shining forth its powers and its faculties into the body, it reversed and the faculties returned into the essence. Thus, what we need to do is connect to the essence and bring back the faculties. Thus, according to Kabbalah, one of the things to do to bring a person to when he faints or she faints is to call them by their name. Because the name doesn't just connect with a particular form and gift of a relationship of this individual. It actually connects with the essence of the soul of the individual. Which is why a person's name doesn't change as he grows and as he evolves. Because we're not talking about just the faculty of the person. The name talks about the essence of the soul of a person. Thus, we now see that calling by a name brings forth the essence connection. Most of us don't have a connection to our essence. We're so busy in a rat race. We're so busy doing. We're so busy being human doings that we don't understand that we're godly beings. Thus, we're not really connected to the essence. Thus, when God calls us by name, he's bringing forth out of a slumber, out of a hiddenness, the preciousness of the essence of our being, which is that we are a piece of God. That is the essence of our soul. So the power of the name brings us the preciousness. It connects us with the essence of our being. We'll talk about what that practically means later. Let's first understand the concepts. Now let's go to the next thing. What is the essence of being counted? So here too, we want to focus on the difference between the human doing and the human being, i.e. the difference of the expressions and faculties of the soul or the essence beingness of the soul. Now there's something very particular about counting, which is even greater than a name. Why so? Because if you look at what happened when they counted the 70 people, the family of Jacob that descended to Egypt, amongst the 70 people, you have the patriarch, the saintly and great Jacob. You have over there a grandchild, Saul, which is actually the offspring of Dina from the rape of Shechem. Then you actually have a baby, Yocheved, who is going to become Moses' mother, Yocheved was actually born at the gates of Egypt. Thus, you have the greatest of the great. You have someone that doesn't have such a fine ancestry. And you have a one day old. And they're each counted only as one. Jacob's not counted greater than Saul, nor greater than Yocheved. And Yocheved isn't counted any less. And either is Saul counted any less. Why? Because when we count someone... We're counting their beingness, not their doingness. So Jacob's being great, and Saul's being the offspring of a rape, and Yocheved only being one day old makes no difference. Because of course we're talking about the essence of the beingness. Beingness is to be or not to be. Now either one is to be or not. But one cannot be a greater to be or a lesser to be or a half to be or a double to be. It's to be or not to be. That is the secret of counting by number. Thus, we're actually going to see that counting by number 
is even greater than counting by name. Why so? Because the name of every person is different. Thus, ultimately, we're talking about the essence of a person of that individual. That's why one person's name is Avraham, the other person's name is Yitzchak, because Avraham is the essence of the Avraham, while Yitzchak is the essence of the Yitzchak. When we talk about counting, we're not talking about the essence of the way the soul descends into a specific form and shape, finite ray, gift, mission. We're talking about the essence of the soul, the way it lies within the bosom of God. Thus, when we talk about counting, when we bring forth the essence by counting every single person as not more and not less than one, what we're actually talking about is the essence of a person, of a person's soul, the way each and every one of us are identical twins within the bosom of our Father in heaven. Thus, we say that the essence that God brings forth by counting us is the preciousness of the way we exist within God in heaven. The essence of our core within the bosom of God where everyone is just an identical twin to everyone else. When we talk about a name, we're talking about the essence of this individual ray of the soul into this individual person with his individual extraordinary gift, connection, relationship, and mission to God. Thus, we're going to say here that being counted by number is even more precious than being counted by name. However, I want to point out something very interesting. I'm going to reverse what we just said. Because even though being counted by number is so superior than being counted by name, because being counted by number, we're bringing out the essence, the way of our soul, the way she is within the bosom of God, truly a piece of God. While when we count by, when God counts by name, when God calls by name, God brings forth the ray, the individual name, form, shape, ray, extraordinary gift of each individual. However, what we're now going to say is that the latter is even greater. How so? Let's go back to both verses which talks about counting Jacob and his family, the entire Jewish people at the time. It says, and these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. The emphasis here is that God is bringing out our preciousness, that which lies buried and hidden within us. He's bringing it to our conscious contact, to our conscious mind, our conscious heart, being connected to our preciousness. Why is God doing that? Specifically, for because we go into Egypt. Now, the word Egypt is metaphorical. It refers to constraints. It refers to exile. Egypt, as in the Jews were in exile in Egypt. Egypt, as in the infinite soul, is coming into the finite body with its demands. Thus, the entire purpose of bringing out the preciousness of the Jew 
is not just that we should be precious up there in heaven, but rather who came to Egypt. The reason for us being connected to our preciousness is so that we can live the life that we have to live in the physical world, in the Egypt. I want to take this a step further. We're not just precious to God as holy souls in the bosom of God in heaven, but rather we are precious to God even as we are affected, become impure, disconnected, estranged from God in Egypt. And now let me read to you an unbelievable saying of our sages upon a verse in the book of Proverbs. I quote, A man's way is changeable, and he is strange. But as for a pure one, his deed is right. A verse, King Solomon, Book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 8. Now I want to share with you what the Medrash says. The Medrash says as follows. Rabbi Acha said, Acha was a very great sage. Rabbi Acha said, he quotes a piece of the verse, defines it. Quotes a piece of the verse, defines it. Quotes a piece of the verse, defines it, and comes to a conclusion. I want to read it exactly the way he said it. The way is changeable. What does that mean? This refers to the Jewish people as it says in the verse in Deuteronomy, because they are a turned over generation, changeable from good to not so good. A stranger. What does King Solomon mean when he calls this man a stranger? This means they made themselves like strangers to God. As it says in Hosea, they betrayed God for they gave birth to strangers. The next words, the pure one. He explains, this refers to the Holy One, blessed be He, God, who acts with, a Jewish, with the Jewish in a proper fashion in this world and gives them rewards fully in the next world, like a person who is a loyal employee. Now watch the conclusion of what Rab Acha says. All that time the Holy One, blessed be He, said, in the times when the Jewish people act as strangers to God, my children are stubborn. I cannot kill them all. I cannot bring them back to Egypt. I cannot exchange them for a different nation. End quote. Now, this closing line of this teaching that God says, He says, my children are stubborn. I cannot kill them all. I cannot bring them back to Egypt. I cannot exchange them for a different nation. Even though, Maybe we deserve, at this point, stranger, changeable. Thus, what we're saying here is that the preciousness of the Jew being counted, i.e., the essence of the soul, the way it is in heaven, in the bosom of God, as truly a piece of God above, connects and is brought forth by name. By name means the way the finite ray of the soul comes into the physical body with all its chemical issues and into the exile with all its spiritual issues to the point where even when God says, you have become a stranger to me, your ways are changeable, nevertheless, you are precious to me. 
and to change you for a different nation? I cannot. So says God. Thus we now understand why God counts us by name. Was God just to count us by number? That would only connect us to the preciousness that we have in the spiritual realms of heaven in the bosom of God. But what happens when we come down here and we begin to cheat and steal and do things that are less than royal and godly? Thus God counts us by name because by name refers to the way the finite ray of that infinite soul shines into this world. Shines into me individually with all my temptations, with all my shortcomings, with all my character defects, with all the mistakes I've made and I make. And there God counts by name to say, you're precious to me as you are faulty and even as you have become estranged to me. You are precious to me. This which God connects us to being precious to him, even in our state of darkness, is what empowers us to do teshuvah and do what needs to be done. Thus we now have why God counts us by name. Not count, call by name, but being counted by name. To connect the preciousness of the essence of my beingness with the less than respectable doingness that I have. And thus when I understand that even when I'm having a less than human moment, I'm still a godly being precious by God. This empowers me to live up to what God sees in me and not what I choose to see in me. Thus the power of these are the names counted to 70. Now, there's one more thing we need to discuss, which is what's about counting by name again after someone passes away. So what we just said here really was that the counting, the preciousness of the essence of the soul as she lies in the bosom of God, being truly a piece of God, empowers the name, which is the finite ray of the soul, the way it shines into my finite being, living a finite life in a finite exile, exile of temptation and faults. So this is greater, and it gives this. Counting gives to the name, which empowers me as a faulty human being slash doing. When we talk about God counting, again by name after passing what we're really saying is that how do we even give the essence of our soul unprecedented preciousness in heaven is by doing what we need to do here on earth thus it isn't just that the essence of my soul gives power and preciousness to the ray of my soul as I experience it here in a life full with challenges, mistakes. But actually, the ray of my soul that's in me, that works with me to become a mensch, to live the difficult life of temptation, overcoming, remaining committed to God, doing teshuva, 
connecting to God, studying Torah, giving charity, praying, helping others. This ultimately gives even greater power to this, to the essence. Thus God counts them again after death because in the afterlife, the essence of the soul is not the giver, but the receiver from the finite ray of the soul that worked through life down here. Thus we now understand why God counts us, counts us by name, counts us in a lifetime, and counts us in our afterlife. Now I'd like to go ahead and do the closing of the practicality. So before I share with you this, I want to share why it's so important not just to feel precious in the essence of our being, but also to feel precious in the essence of our doings. So I, in my notes, which you'll soon see, I'll go ahead and I'll put up all the connections in the description. I'll put up all the links. So in my notes, when you click on the link to my notes, you're going to find over there a link to a video of Mr. Zach, Gordon Zach with the Rebbe. I want to tell you the backstory. In 1969, Gordon Zach was the chairman of the Young Leadership of the National United Jewish Appeal. After delivering the keynote address to the Council of Jewish Federations and Welfare Funds annual conference in Boston, he went and he had a private audience with the Rebbe. Now, in, there, in that video, I'm sorry, in that private audience, the Rebbe spoke to him. Then, 19 years later, in 1988, he comes for the second time to the Rebbe, and this is what you'll see in the video. He comes to the Rebbe in his home after the passing of the Rebbe's wife. Now, watch the video. It's a three-minute video. And you'll see over there that at some point when the Rebbe brings back the conversation from 19 years ago, he is so blown away, Mr. Gordon Zach, that the Rebbe just picked up the conversation of what they spoke 19 years ago after the Rebbe saw literally tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of people in those 19 years. He says, you are amazing. This is the Rebbe's simple response to those words, you are amazing. And I'm going to read them because I actually wrote them down as I was watching the video. What will be the benefit of the community that I am amazing? The Rebbe then goes on to say, I will try to cash it in and you will help me. What that means is being amazing isn't helpful until you can connect your being amazing with doing amazing. Being extraordinary isn't helpful until you can connect with it, know it, feel it, and live it. Now, in closing, we can now learn how to be extraordinary. It isn't about the hidden preciousness of our hidden gifts within our soul. Rather, it is all about finding our infinite inner essence preciousness and bringing it into real practical day-to-day -day living. Okay, how do you do that? What this practically means is, to find our special gift from God. How do we do that? By finding the one thing that you are super passionate about doing and turning this into your brilliantly shining, 
connection to God, sharing this passion with the world and bringing it into all areas of your life. We all know that there's a certain area in our life, something that we're so passionate about, that when we do it, we go into our zone. And when we're in that zone, we recognize it, everyone recognizes it, and we're unstoppable. That is where we connect with our extraordinary gift that we individually receive from God. Now, we need to not run away from that one thing that we're so passionate about that takes us into our zone. We need to use that as our connection to God, whether it be art, music, science, whatever it may be. Use that as your Zohir Tfei, your brilliantly shine connection of extraordinariness with God. Share it with the universe and bring that passion into everything you do. Thank you.